The life of a veteran is an interesting one at that. It can be full of adventure or complete boredom. There is always tragedy, but for now, let us try and keep on the positive side. Mr. Clark is a veteran of the United States military, and he is here to share with us his great story. He will talk to us about the time when he first entered all the way to the career he has right now. Mr. Clark, now. Okay. When when did you first enter the service? Um, I entered the service after two quarters at the Ohio State University, right out of high school. I went to Ohio State where I unfortunately majored in beer and girls and uh, got an academic probation rather quickly. So I uh, joined the service to avoid the uh, whooping I was going to get from my mom, which I deserved. Um, anyways, uh, joined the Army, did basic training at Fort McClellan, Alabama. Uh, Company B, Bravo 10th Battalion, and um, became a military policeman, had military police school right there at Fort McClellan, Alabama. Um, after that, uh, I've served active duty in Germany, um, been to the Philippines, uh, called up from reserve duty back to active duty for Operation Desert Shield, Desert Storm, um, uh, traveled all over the United States. Fort Hood, Texas, Fort Wisconsin, or Fort uh, McCoy, Wisconsin, Fort Pickett, Virginia, Fort Meade, Maryland, um, all over the place, and just enjoyed my 14 years, both active and reserve. Uh, it was a phenomenal experience. How was uh, how was your time overseas? What do you say? Excellent. My favorite thing overseas was when I was in the Philippines. I went to uh, Jungle Environmental Survival Training School, JEST School, which was actually a school put on by the U.S. Navy. Um, I did there did that as part of my training to uh, work joint operations with the United States Marine Corps, which is part of the Navy, at Subic Bay in the Philippines when we had a base there uh, back in the 1980s. And um, I got to learn how to uh, survive in the jungle. I learned what plants and animals were consumable. And I was responsible to uh, harvest those plants and animals and prepare them to eat. I got to do training with um, some of the native peoples uh, in the jungle. And uh, they taught me all kinds of survival uh, training skills. And then I got to uh, uh, even deal with the indigenous life forms like monkeys and pythons and monitor lizards and uh, eat all of them. So that was, that was good training. I enjoyed it. Um, you said something about the battalion you're stationed in, you're put into, what, what was, what, what did you do exactly in there? Um, well, I was in a lot of units with uh, military police. I was attached to the, uh, uh, 95th MP company, Zweibrück in Germany, which was out of the 59th MP battalion, which was attached to 60th Ordnance Command, which was in charge of all the NATO, um, munition sites. In uh, Europe, uh, I did some uh, rail security with them attached to uh, the uh, British Army, actually for a time for joint operations, doing rail security, taking munitions from those NATO sites up to the German port of Bremen for on uh, trains. And we did security on the trains and I had a lot of fun with joint ops with the British Army. I was also attached to the uh, 535th. MP Battalion in Columbus, Ohio, in the reserves, 447th Military Police Company, 391st Military Police Battalion, uh, which is a prisoner of war unit, uh, that particular one, in which I learned how to 
be a prisoner of war guard for a battalion internment facility. Um, and I also learned how to uh, be a military police uh, POW transporter. Um, during my time in the service, I served with a company that later without me um, moved more POWs than any other unit in the American Army ever did during Desert uh, Storm. Uh, the 391st MP, I'm sorry, the, the uh, 342nd MP company. Um, what else did I do? I also served as a combat military policeman where we specialized in urban warfare school uh, skills, uh, fighting through cities, kind of like a giant SWAT team. Um, got to ride in helicopters and planes and and um, just all kinds of crazy things. Got to learn survival skills in the desert, survival skills in the forest, survival skills in northern Wisconsin in January, which is very unpleasant. Don't go to northern warfare school. But um, yeah, I got to do all kinds of great things. And and every, every job skill you can imagine that was from police officer on a military base to uh, anti-terrorism insurgency tactics. And so, uh, yeah, just had a blast. Um, you mentioned your time with the British. What was that like? Um, we were uh, sent to a small base in uh, Wolfen. It was the name of the, the base. Wolfen, Germany, I think, was actually the name of the town, but I know it's the name of the base. And the British had the small base there um, to do joint operations with them. And uh, British English is very different than American English. Uh, we actually got there and had to coordinate with the... Uh, the British Army, and I was the NCO in charge, the sergeant in charge, with a young lieutenant who uh, really didn't know the ropes very well, so I was kind of running things in the lieutenant's name, and we got there, and uh, I had to coordinate with the, the British soldiers. We got there, and of course, they identified who we were, made sure we were friendlies, um, and we're carrying all our gear, including our weapons, our M16s, our M60s, uh, M203 grenade launchers. And, uh, of course I need to store these weapons in a safe place while my men are asleep. I need places for my soldiers to sleep. I need places for them to shop, uh, to have a little recreation time, maybe have a beer. So I have to coordinate with the British army. And so we're checking in and I find out where not our bullet, our barracks are, but our billets. I find out where this, the post store is the post exchange. They call it a NAFI. I learn that the, um, the NCO club, where I would go to have a beer while I was off duty maybe or watch some sports on TV, they would call it the sergeant's mess. And I got to be good friends with a Scottish uh, sergeant who also attended bar at the sergeant's mess. Um, his name was Jerry. And um, the other thing is the language barrier. I had to store my weapons somewhere. So um, I, wanted to, I wanted to turn in my weapons to their armor. And I looked at the sergeant, a, a different sergeant, and asked him, oh, where do I turn in my weapons? And he looked at me very confused. And he said, uh, what, what do you mean, lad? And I said, um, I want to turn my weapons in. Where do I turn my weapons in? And he said, what do you want to do? I don't understand. And I said, I want to turn my weapons in. And he says, well, what is it you want to turn them into? There's still going to be guns, right? I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. I don't want to, I can't turn them into something else. Uh, I want to store them in your secure armory. Oh, I got you, lad. You want to end in your weapons. I, yeah, I want to end in my weapons, which is their way of saying hand in my weapons. So anyways, after I was there for two or three weeks um, working with the British, I got relieved and another squad from my unit came uh, run by a 
sergeant who was a friend of mine, but a little bit of a rival. We like giving each other a hard time. So when we got there, he's like, he's Clark, hey, uh, tell me what's going on in these British. What do I have to do? And I'm, I say, uh, well, the British speak a different language than us. You know, they they uh, don't stand in line. They stand in the queue. Um, they don't uh, have flashlights. They have torches. They don't have trucks. They have lorries. And if you want to go to the base post exchange, you go to the NAFI. If you want to go to your barracks, it's the billets. And and you don't want to turn in your weapons. You want to end in your weapons. So my friend's writing all this down. And, I, you know, I see an opportunity here, so I took advantage of him. And uh, I, I told him, now, the most important thing you can do is the British are very formal, very formal in how they, they structure their command. And you have to let them know you're in charge or they will not respect you. You got this? Oh, yeah, I got this. I, I can handle that. I'm like, that's good. So when they ask you who's in command or who's in charge, you put your hands on your hips and you look them square in the eye and you tell them that you're the head wanker. Wanker. Got it. I'm the head wanker. Well, in British lingo, I won't go into details, but he's basically saying he was the big jerk. Uh, There's a polite way to phrase it. He's saying he's a big jerk to all the Brits. And I proceeded to snicker and walk away. And I went back to our our base and uh, my friend stayed there. And for about two and a half weeks before the British let on, um, they would just laugh every time he'd say he was the head wanker, which made him feel insecure. And he'd yell it even louder and get more serious that he was the head wanker. And uh, yeah, the British finally let him in on my joke right at the end was he was coming back. And I, he almost we, we almost got in a fight, but I bought him a beer and it, it worked itself out. And, you know, we stayed friends. But yeah, British language, British English and American English are very different. And it, it was fun to take advantage of that. Sounds like a fun time. So tell uh, tell us how you ended up leaving the service. Um, I left the service. I had a training accident. I shattered. It's called a pylon fracture. I shattered my left leg uh, about, I don't know, three inches up from the left ankle. Uh, disintegrated the bone. The Army actually considered uh, taking it off. Um amputating it, but they did manage to save it. It actually happened reserve side of the house. It wasn't even active duty. Um, and it happened in Wayne national forest, just South of Zanesville, uh, real close to here. And, um, they, uh, did manage to save my leg. I've got two plates, 16 screws and a bone graft. I've got some nerve damage and can't feel my uh, left toes. I have limited mobility in my left ankle and it will hurt me every second of every day for the rest of my life. doesn't matter whether I sit, sit, stand, sleep. It always hurts. But you know what? I still have the leg. They saved it. I was medically separated from service because of uh, this disability. Qualified as 30% disabled. So I get a tax-free pension for the rest of my life. The VA uh, also also trained me, um, uh, well, educated me. I had a degree that the Army paid for, but it was related to going back active duty as an officer. And uh, so they, vocational retraining, the VA actually sent me back to school and I got my teaching license in social studies and special ed. Uh, they even helped me a little bit with getting my master's degree in administration. So I, I regret that I'm not in the army, but it, it was time for me to quit being Sergeant Clark and start being Mr. Clark. And uh, the military has taken very good care of me. I, I have no complaints. I get a, I get a, little pension and a lot of education and my life is good and I don't complain. How was it acclimating back into society after staying so long in the military? Um, the biggest challenge, honestly, 
was uh, changing the way I spoke. Um, I'm still pretty loud and boisterous. The Army taught me that. But in the military, um, shall we say, colorful language is often encouraged and even required to get messages through at times. And of course, that is not um, acceptable in public schools. So when I first got my job at Gehanna, uh, where I worked as a campus supervisor for 14 years before coming here to the Valley, it was quite a cultural adjustment working with teenagers um, who didn't snap to attention when I walked in the room because I was a pretty high-ranking sergeant. And uh, I could not obviously use colorful or threatening language towards them. So that was a little bit of adjustment, but I, you know, I got through it. Um, I did get great leadership skills and problem solving skills out of the military. And it has definitely been a, uh, a benefit to my career uh, in education. And uh, once again, I, I completely owe that to the military. It made me a much better person than I was before I joined. Did you choose to become a teacher? And if so, why? Um, I kind of stumbled into that. Uh, I was trying to figure out a new path after I realized I couldn't go back to active duty. That was kind of a, a, a hard pill to swallow. Um, and um, I knew some people that worked at Gehanna and they had had a school shooting. Nobody died, but somebody like shot a gun into the ceiling of the cafeteria. Um, and so they created this new security slash counseling position, campus supervisor at Gehanna Lincoln High School. And uh, I went in and my old principal was the acting superintendent. I went in and talked to him and he said, yeah, Chris, uh, you know, military police background, security, that sounds perfect. Let's let's try it out. And I was part of this pilot program that ended up becoming a permanent program. I was there for 14 years. Um, security, counseling, problem solving, whatever was wrong in the building that day, I found a way to fix it so the administration didn't have to deal with it or helped the administration figure out a solution and implemented the plan that they came up with. Um, much like a sergeant does for a officer in the military. Um, so I, I uh, formed great relationships with the teenagers, the kids at uh, Gehanna Lincoln, really enjoyed working with them and just fell in love with the idea of uh, becoming a teacher. And the VA, like I said, sent me back to get my credentials and licensing. And um, I applied for the job here out in the Valley. And now I've been here for, this is my 11th or 12th year. And I love being out here. I love the teenagers here. I love the, the, the job I have. And I owe my teaching style and a lot of my knowledge as a teacher to the Army. And yeah, best, best decision I ever made. And it led me to this career. It's really a good story. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Mr. Clark is an interesting character. He survived a life-changing injury and he is living the best he can now. His story is a lot better off than what many other veterans had to go through. He is now a history teacher and a good one at that. He also has a family and kids, something his career in the service would not have brought him. We can only hope that all veterans can find solace and peace as he has.